What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. All right, Stallion, what's one thing that you regret not ever having learned? There's a ton. Uh, the, the biggest thing I'll say, just the other night I was telling my daughters that I never learned to type. You don't know how to type. You're a poker. Yes, I am a, a, a what are they called, pecker? <laughs> you are a pecker. I am sometimes. a pecker poker. Um, and I use these three fingers and I just crush that. But I, I watched my daughter. I said, you will always wish that you learned how to type because it slows me down tremendously. Dude, I, here's one of the things. There's very few classes I can point to in college that I do still use, and it is typing. My mom, for many years, taught like a business education class. Part of it was typing. When I was leaving my junior college, my my year of um, you know taking a year off is basically like, <laughs> gap year. <laughs> that was my gap year. I was out of I was out of school, but it really none of it applied. And in order to get into Auburn, they said you have to have um, you have to have a higher math. I didn't have a math that, that would transfer from there. And you need to get an A because you screwed up so bad. Your, your GPA is not going to be high enough to get in. And so my mom commits me to taking typing. And so I took these two classes. And the typing class happened to be on Thursday night. Now, Joey, I know you know nothing about football. But Thursday night is the first college football game of the weekend, right? Okay, yeah. And uh, for those of us who are degenerate um, gamblers, uh, like I was when I was in college, I would need to get my my bookie the bets in before the Thursday night game because, you know, that's going to be tied to all these other things I was doing. So I would literally be in typing class. He he didn't open his you know window of time until like I don't remember like six o'clock. Game started at six thirty or whatever it was six thirty six. I just remembered like I would be halfway through this little typing class, and I would always have to let the teacher know, "Hey, I'm gonna have to go to the restroom." I leave. I'd go to the payphone now. Get this. No, I had my mom's pay my, her little uh, calling card. She had a calling card. Oh, I, would, I would use the calling card to call home because the city where my bookie was was clearly not in the same city I was in. So I'd use the calling card to call my and my bets for the weekend. But you're totally so I regret wasting money. I regret wasting time, but I don't regret taking that class because yes, I did get an A in both the math class and in the typing class. Got into Auburn. Um did you did you win anything, by the way? Oh, man, I, I learned really quickly that I did not want to go work with my dad. The reason I'm sitting here today is that I had two weekends in a row where I lost $300. And as a college student back then, that might as well be a million. It, it was it might as well. So my dad, you know, construction guy, you know, re, uh, renovated houses, sometimes built houses. I had to go work with him like all day, every day for a couple weeks in order to pay off those gambling debts. I'm like, never again. 
never again. I'm done with, with college football betting. Um, but I did learn how to type in that time. And I want you, as you're listening to this story, to hear as we start off with, Joey, you, you actually had a really good question at the beginning. You asked, as they were telling their story, you mentioned that it sounded like there was some regret in there. And I think that was like the impetus to this really trials and tribulation of a couple of amazing entrepreneurs, somebody that if you went and looked them up online, you would see their story from, I, I don't know if it's rags or riches, but definitely to fortune. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. You're, we're talking about Alex and Layla Hermosi, our guests today. And literally from the most quaint story of starting a gym to over a hundred million dollars in this business. This is no small feat, but the, the thing that I love about this interview that I'm hoping and praying you're going to take away is that they were just like you and just like me, that they, they had something that pushed them out of comfort and what was known into the unknown that they saw ridiculous results as, as a result of making one small change. And um, anyways, if you're sitting there and you've been stuck and you don't ever want to have to look back in regret, you can do as Layla talks about in this interview and look two, three, four years from now. And if it doesn't look any brighter than it does today, it's time to take a chance. It's time to make a change and start stepping towards action. Absolutely. And let's don't take any more time away from this amazing interview that I know you're going to want to listen to every second of. And it's a little bit longer than normal, but trust me, it's worth it. Let's jump in with Alex and Layla Hermosi. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the show. Today we are in for a treat. We have Alex and Layla Hermosi joining us. Guys, so glad to have you on the show. Super honored to be here. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Well, ladies first. We, we love to give some background to the audience who hasn't taken the time yet to Google you. And if they do, um, there's going to be a lot of information. So let's give them some reasons to go look. So Layla, we'll let you start. Kind of talk about your background. Yeah, yeah. Well, just don't look at my old Facebook photos from college because you don't want to look at those. But um, <laughs> the rest of it... Uh, as of right now, if you were to Google me, you would see that um, uh, co-founder and co-CEO of Gym Launch, Prestige Labs, and Allen. And so that is, a, we have a service company, a software company, and a supplement company um, that we run together. Um, and that's what I've been doing the last five years. Prior to that, I was in fitness sales and personal training uh, in my prior life. And so I came from first working at large like corporate gyms um in sales and training and then going to smaller gyms and boutique and just smaller businesses in general um then moving into online business and then kind of ending up in the in the ones that we now have today very cool alex what's your backstory i cycled once before meeting layla so i had like two chapters before layla so i i, I graduated uh college at vanderbilt and then i went to uh 
get a, uh, I went and started doing management consulting uh, at a boutique strategy firm um, out of DC. So we did space cyber and intelligence. Um, it was sounded way cooler than than it was. Um, <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> it was the launch pad for my entrepreneurial career. Um, so, um, anyways, I ended up uh, leaving because I, I really wanted to uh, get into fitness. And uh, actually, I really just wanted to start a business. I wasn't sure what business I was going to start. We can talk more about that. Uh, it was an interesting journey for me there. And then uh, I started a gym. Uh, and then from there, I opened up five more locations. So I had six. And that was right around when I met Layla. And um, I'd been approached by a bunch of gym owners who were like, hey, man, how are you doing what you're doing? Um, and so I was like, I think I'm going to start, I'm going to start, you know, helping other gyms kind of license some of my material. I didn't really know what the model was going to be, but I was like, I just got a lot of people asking me for stuff. And I kind of like the business side almost more than I like the weight loss stuff. Um, I kind of, I'd already cycled, you know, kind of one four year period of building them. And so it kind of felt like the next chapter. And then we, um, we started the, I started the business or 30 days after Layla and I met, and then we pretty much built it together. Wow. Now I, I would say that you're unlike most Vanderbilt grads. Like when, when you look at Alex up online, you're going to be like, that's not what I expected from a Vanderbilt grad. And, and I say that with affection because we have so many mutual uh, friends probably that, that have been there. I know one of which we were just talking about a second ago. Um, so I, I love the fact that you though went one direction and pivoted. So you said that that was the, the start, the impetus to, your entrepreneur career because like many of us we were going down a track that we thought this is what we wanted to do and thankfully um we were shown that that was not the path so for you though i mean for both of you and i'll let either one of you chime in kind of what was that that motivating step to say okay i do want to be an entrepreneur i don't want to take the path most taken which is just being a w2 entrepreneur or w2 a wage earner the rest of my life so for me, uh, you know, I did, I had an interesting experience. So I had more of like a rock top moment rather than a rock bottom moment. So, you know, I was 20, I graduated a year early, um, you know, top honors and all that stuff. And uh, I was sitting in a condo that I owned as a 22 year old uh, in downtown Baltimore and overlooking, you know, on the 17th floor, like looking over the city. And I was kind of like, is this it? Um, and so, you know, I didn't find the work particularly stimulating and I just thought if I have to do this for the rest of my life, like I don't really want to live that life. And so then, you know, I went back, you know, I, I was super deep into all the self-help, all the positivity, like, you know, I mean, I read every single one of those, you know, <laughs> four hour work week, like all that stuff to try and figure out what to do. And then the, the bottom line conclusion was I wanted to make more money than anyone was going to pay me. And the only places that would pay me the amount of money I wanted to make wouldn't give me the time to enjoy it. And so I could have gone to an investment bank and I could have done that path. Um, that was the only job that I can think of that would have made, you know, the amount of money that I wanted to make. But I knew the guys who were in that and they didn't really have a lot of time to enjoy it. And uh, I learned from the consulting side. I was like, if I'm, if I'm making a million, they're making 20. <laughs> um, and so that was, that was kind of the thought. And then, and then it took about six months for me of every day listening to Arnold's rules for success speech when I woke up every morning uh, to try and get motivated to step off the path that, you know, my parents had carefully laid out for me because I was not the typical entrepreneur of, I, I was so bad at school and like, you know, I flunked out, like this is the only option I like, I didn't have that. You know what I mean? Like I studied hard and I did well in school um, and I had good, you know, I had a good career. Uh, but I just, 
it just wasn't fulfilling for me. And so then I ultimately figured that it would be far more painful to regret not having tried than to try and fail. And so that is why I ended up taking the job. Okay. When you say that, uh, I'm going to take you back to that thought. You're up, up at the top of the 17th floor looking yeah. out over the city and you're like, this is not stimulate. This is like the work is not stimulating to me. I can't, I can't imagine this being my life for a long period of time. What, what were those things that you were like, this, this doesn't make sense to me. I felt like I was burning my life like a candle. Mm. Like during the day, I felt like I was just burning life. Like I was just trading life for stuff that I didn't care about. And so the, you know, I mean, I'll, I'll go straight for the juggler since we're on here. Like I didn't want to be alive anymore. And so I figured because the the shame that I had for not doing what my father wanted me to do was so great that I had to face not being alive to finally take the jump and say, well, if death is what I'm considering right now, rather than living, then, you know, opening a gym can't be that bad. And so that was ultimately what allowed me, you know, it, the, the, the pain of change, you know what I mean, was greater than the pain of continuing down the path that I was on. And so I, I, it was the hardest decision that I have ever made by like by far. Um, but I can say for anybody who's on here, who's contemplating and, you know, figuratively on the ledge um, of that jump onto into their career path, um, the first, the first step's the hardest. After that, you figure it out because like, you'll figure it out. <laughs> I promise you'll figure it out. Well, I, I would love to come back to that. But before we let your wife get too far behind us, talk about your, your jump, your, your journey out of, uh, the corporate world into this world of entrepreneurship? Yeah, um, there was a few points for me. I think that it started when I was in high school. And the reason was, is because actually of just the town I grew up in, I grew up in Michigan and it was a small town called Portage, Michigan. And when I was growing up, um, I think I was probably 13 or 14. And I found like Tony Robbins and Jim Rohn. I started listening to all of their tapes and immediately I was like, oh my goodness, like I live in a small town where people don't have ambitions. They don't have dreams. And my dad was always saying like, don't get a job like me, don't get a job like corporate, this and that. Like, it's just, you know, you're just working for money all day. And he used to always say that to me. He's like, I'm just working for money. I can never make more money. I have to just work more and it's so slow. And he was a professor for 30 years at the same university and he made really good money, but I could just tell he was just like, there's like a suppressive energy to it. And so I was always really uh, deflective of that. And so I knew into it that Whatever I did, I didn't want to do that. I was like, I want something that has a lot of change and I have like the ability to make more money or you know do more that I want to do. And so I was like, well, I really love fitness. I got into it on my own when I was 14 and I lost a lot of weight um, at a young age and I was really autonomous with it. And so I thought, well, I'm already basically doing this on my own. I'm going to end up being a trainer and figuring out something in fitness. And I thought for a second, I was like, maybe I'll find a job and like open up a practice. And so at first I thought, okay, I'm going to go to school for exercise science and I did. And while I was there, I was studying different career paths. And my idea was, well, I'll open up a business in one. And as I talked to people that were physical therapists and people that were chiropractors, because those were the two that I was told made more money. Um, when they were explaining, I remember she said one day, she's like, yeah, I made $85,000 this year. And I was like, don't you own a physical therapy clinic? And she was like, yeah. And I only worked though, like six hours a day. And then like, obviously I have to work like night, like when people like leave and come back. And I was like, what? I was like, you own this whole thing. You have all this liability and that's all you make. And so I remember thinking to myself, I was like, well, crap, well, I'm not going to go down any of those paths. I'm just going to figure something out in fitness. I'm going to train people. I'm going to learn sales, going to learn marketing and eventually have my own business. And I remember thinking like, 
I have no idea what it's going to be, but I'm just so freaking terrified of ever feeling like anyone else that was in my family or my hometown felt. Like looking at my dad when he said to me, he was like, he said jokingly one day and he'll never forget. Uh, I'll never forget because it changed my life. As he said, if you want to have the life you want, he's like, just do everything opposite of what I did. And just kind of like do the opposite of what I tell you to do. And it was like such in passing. And I told him this later on. He never, I'm guessing he never remembered, but I just did the opposite of everything he said at that point. I'm like, well, I'm going to take more risks. I'm going to move. I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to risk money. I'm going to risk time. And so I think that the main driver for me was always just fear of what could be. You know, I was literally living in a town of people who were could haves, should haves, could have been. And there were people with a ton of potential. And I think that what that showed me is just like the environment that you put yourself in is such a catalyst for your either uh, you shrinking or growing. And so for me, that was, um, I met Alex when I moved out to California. We had both uh, coincidentally like just packed up our cars and moved out to California, different ages, different times, but it was an eerily, eerily similar story. Um, and it was just the, the feeling of like, nothing could be worse than living my life and getting to the end of it and thinking like I could have done more. Wow. Well, it, it's interesting. It sounded like your dad gave you that Jerry Seinfeld to George Costanza moment of do the opposite of what, <laughs> what you're thinking. And it seems like that is completely different though from your family's background. It sounds like your your parents was pushing you more down that corporate track. So was it, Alex, whenever like you'd have told them, hey, I'm, I'm leaving corporate America in the success world, the success that maybe um, you might have had for my life to go pursue this, were you getting a different vibe than what Layla oh, yeah. was? I didn't even I didn't even tell him until I'd I was already halfway across the country. How'd that go over? <laughs> I was just like, deal with it. You know, okay. it, I, it, I was honestly so afraid, and I had I just had so much fear around the judgment of my parents, and that's ultimately probably would drive me to the level of success that I had, you know, academically, and you know, I was president of the fraternity, I was newspaper editor, I was the the creative writing editor, like, you know what I mean? Like I did all, I did everything, you know, I was three varsity sport athlete. Like I did everything because I was so afraid of losing respect. Mm. And so for me, it was terrifying. I mean, I just can't even, it's like, I almost, I, I've, I've gone through it enough now that I don't get choked up about it, but like, I was so afraid, so afraid. And so I just like, again, I had to like literally face my own demise to take the first step. Well, but, but I was scared I, enough that I literally left <laughs> before telling them. <laughs> so I could, I could put like four states between us um, before making that. Well, but I, I think there was something really powerful you both mentioned. And you said, you know, you guys ended up in the same place with the eerily same story. But regret was such a driver that it overcame even this fear you're talking about that was I mean, you use the word terrifying. Like there are people that are listening to this right now that are stuck in something. They could just take out the the family pressures that you had, Alex, or the um, the dead souls that you were surrounded by, Layla, in your in your hometown. That you're like, this is all that these folks are living for. Like this this is not like those are both things that you said. I will not end up like that and that regret just drove you to take some steps that were necessary to go against the grain up the stream if you will and and make start making strides even without a hundred percent clear path but the clear strides to get you to that life that you would not have those regrets um what would you say is there anything else in your mind someone's listening to say i don't want to have regrets either 
anything else that comes to mind that you're like, you got to do this? I would say one thing that I would suggest is that sometimes, uh, like for humans, it's really hard to conceptualize something that you haven't done and you have no experience with, right? So like Alex couldn't have known what it was going to be like. He had no idea. I didn't know what it was going to be like. I had no idea. But what you can conceptualize is what is the road that I'm walking down right now look like in another two, three, or four years? And so if it's a job you hate, do you think you're going to hate it more or less in two or three or four years? If you're fat, do you think you're going to be fatter or skinnier in two, three or four years, right? Like if you're in debt, are you going to be in more debt or less debt in two, three or four years if you don't take action? And so I think uh, Jordan Peterson talks about this. It's like, yes, it's good to strive for something, but you also need something to motivate you to get your ass moving. And so I think for me, I would visualize the worst case scenario and think, well, the worst case scenario is I keep going down the path I'm currently on. And that could be really freaking scary and depressing if I were to not change. And so I think for a lot of people, they don't need the like even desire or pull. They need to be able to scare themselves because it's a very, very likely reality. What would you add to that, Alex? I mean, it was it was 100% about regret. It was just for me, I it was for me, it was a probability question. So the likelihood that I have a, a miserable life in my current path is extremely likely the likelihood that I have a miserable path on my other path is unknown. And I would rather take an unknown than a high likelihood of failure. And so that was really it. I just felt like I was guaranteed a life that I wasn't going to enjoy. And I just didn't know. I like, I didn't even say like, this is going to be great. I just, I just figured it would be better than what I currently have. And so that was just the reasoning. Well, obviously both of you started on that path fairly young there had to be somebody, someone, uh, something that was able to help jump in there and, and motivate you to say that this is possible, maybe even helped you overcome a couple hur hurdles early on. Talk about uh, those people a little bit, because I think having mentors, having people in our life, having someone that maybe has been there or is willing to push us further than what we were willing to do. I know that you guys do that as coaches, right? I've done that. You teach uh, gym owners how to be co good coaches. Talk about those people that's been in your life that helped you overcome those early, early hurdles. All right. So uh, for me, it was, I, I knew, I learned from the consulting game uh, that the best way to learn a new topic is to interview experts. That's like the consulting method. So I just, I took what I learned from management consulting when we're trying to learn space or cyber or some sort of, you know, niche defense topic that we knew nothing about. Um, we would just ask for five experts and then we'd interview them in depth and then we'd ask them for five experts and then eventually you interview enough people that you have a pretty good idea of the pool of knowledge. And so I took the same approach and I emailed 40 gym owners that I saw um, online and uh, none of them got back to me except for one. Um, and that one guy had a mastermind. Uh, he was a coach and so he hopped on the phone with me when I was in Baltimore and he just chatted with me and he was like, yeah, man, you know, seems, sounds like you just need to make a decision. And then, um, I showed up at his doorstep like 36 hours later from Baltimore. And he was like, Whoa, that's <laughs> he's like, this isn't like a, a thing. Like, please don't do that. Uh, <laughs> Creeper status. Uh, yeah. It was very creepy. And so he was like, well, where are you staying? And I was like, I don't know. I just got out of the car. And, I'm here. <laughs> and he was like, well, I mean, seriously, I was like, yeah, he's like, all right, well I'm working right now, but, uh, like you can come over for dinner and like you can crash here, you know, for the night. So he let me stay at his place for the night. And then, um, you know, he was, he basically functioned as my first mentor. I worked at his gym for, for three months. 
uh, just kind of learning the ropes. And, you know, he was showing me what he looked like, what he liked for a location, find parking, find good signage, you know, just normal stuff. And, um, you know, I found a spot that was already zoned and he was like, I think you should go for it. So that was it. Are you looking for ways to implement ideas, get exposure to new ones and be surrounded by people on the same journey as you? Joey, where can they go to do that? Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash community. You can join for free today. Well, what about you, Layla? Yeah, I don't think that I had um, a specific mentor. I think that what what I what I believe um, from my own experience and my bias is that I think having just someone that believes in you, like I had a lot of different people that I learned from along the way um, until we started what we did. Um, and one of which being Alex, like in the beginning, he knew more than I did about business, like a disproportionate amount to like right now. Um, and so, you know, I just look at it though, as the only reason that I had the confidence to pursue any sort of knowledge was that I had my dad who he really believed in me and he didn't know what I was doing. He didn't understand it, nothing, but he would just always say, and I just believed him out of ignorance. He was just like, you can do anything you want to do. And it's so ironic because, you know, you hear that and, you know, that people say that that's what someone said to them and it made all the difference. But I do think that that's what makes all the difference for a lot of people. And so for me, that was what gave me the foundation to take risks and feel okay doing it. Um, it was almost like borrowed confidence. And then along the way, you know, learning from people at the corporate gyms and the small gyms and online training gyms, you know, I picked up smaller mentors here and there. Um, but then when I met Alex, it was really, we met on a dating app. Uh, and then when we got to know each other, uh, I was in, you know, obviously personal training and fitness sales and he had his gyms. He basically said within a couple of weeks, he's like, you know, you should just work for me for a little while. I'm like, I'll just leapfrog you. And <laughs> yeah, that's the term he used. And I was like, well, um, and at this point I'm like, well, I kind of hate what I'm doing right now. And I know it's not what I want to do. And so I think in a lot of ways, you know, and, and Alex and I've talked about this, like for that period of time in the first year of us working together, I was learning from him. It was not like an equal partnership until at least a year to a year and a half in. And that's when, you know, I was able to have my own role within the business as was he and we were able to grow together in our own like sectors. That's a guarantee of way to continue the relationship. You just hire the person that, that you're most interested <laughs> in. Like I, I took a different strategy. I, I married my best friend's sister, right? So like she had to hang out around us. So that was, I, I like your, I like your style there, Alex. That's awesome. Well, the connection so big, I had to bring it in house. <laughs> That's right, Dick. Well, so when you first started the first gym, mm -hmm. you, you had a vision at that time, what, it, what success was going to look like. Let's talk about that. You know, it's interesting because I think you oscillate so much in the emotions during that period of time. You know, when I was first, like when I was really first starting the gym, I was like, I love fitness. I just want to do something I'm passionate about because I already, I already know that money doesn't solve anything for me because I already had more money than I needed in my previous career. And so, um, so that was kind of like a little bit of a transition for me going into the fitness thing. But I would say that that period lasted all of like two months. Um, and then I, I, I felt, I don't want to say I fell out of love. But I felt I fell so deeply in love with business mm. that all of my passions that had been built for almost you know ten years before that in fitness uh, I was you know I was I was a competitor at that time like I mean like I did I had state records like I was really into it and the day that I started my gym was pretty much the the day that my 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 the fitness career became my ex girlfriend and then business became my my wife you know what I mean mm. for, in terms of like my loves 
Um, and so then just saying that that was, that was kind of my transition because I think everyone has this idea that like, you're going to do something that you're passionate about. But I think when you're starting out, you have no clue. And so you really just need to grab at something and just start pulling towards you. And, and you'll, you'll like, you just can't stay in your head. Mm. I think that's, that's the thing is like, you just can't, cause I would get in these, these loops in my head, these thought loops of, you know, playing out all these different scenarios in my head. And I'm like, I've already played this movie before. Like, I think I just need more outside data, which means I have to just start taking action. And so that was, um, that was kind of the big impetus, you know, with the the first gym. And then after that, I made the decision that I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be a single gym owner. Like I'm going to, I'm going to open a chain of gyms. And so that was kind of what the ambition wasn't gone. It just had, it had, it had to like take a moment of shelter for me to like recover who I was, you know what I mean? During that transition. Cause it, in certain ways it was kind of death to, to, to an identity. You know what I mean? I had to step into a new identity. I had to step out of a white collar job, prestigious university, aced my GMATs. Like I did everything um, to then, you know, have, have, you know, strangers ask me if I went to college, mm. um, which was, you know, and have, you know, neighbors at like say, I'll pay you $15 an hour if you can train my, train me at four. Um, and honestly, it was just, it was a hit to my ego because I think I had an ego at that point. I mean, probably still do, but it's just shifted. So that was, that was just a big change for me from an identity standpoint. I had to step into. So, so within a couple months, you start thinking about gym number two, practically, how big did you anticipate it would get? How early on do you remember like, man, this is what would be really awesome if I could hit this goal. Yeah, I am. I, I'm pretty ambitious. So I, I, you know, it was called United Fitness. It was going to be America's gym. I own the trademarks. Um, you know, it was, I was, I wanted, so I, I was plan. I had six and then I had location seven, eight, nine, and 10 planned out. And then I met a different mentor and that mentor changed my life. Cause he just said, you've got a level 10 skill set and a level two opportunity. Mm. And so he's like, you shouldn't be running gyms. He's like, you should be showing other people how to run their gyms. And so that was, and so, I mean, the guy made a lot more money than I did. And so I said, if I'm paying this guy so much money for his advice, if I don't take it, it's who's the, who's the dumbest person of all. And so I decided, I mean, it, I, it was, there was a hard call because I just spent four years building this thing um, and, and reinvesting a hundred percent of everything I had into new locations. Every time I'd stock all cash up a new location, you know, it was, <laughs> uh, I fire sold everything in 90 days. So I mean, 90 days I sold everything, um, at, basically nothing, you know what I mean? So that I could start this new thing with, uh, you know, with Layla. All right. So I'm going to come back to that. Layla. <laughs> <laughs> wow, man, this is like, there's so much, we can have like six interviews here <laughs> from the conversations we've already had. Like if you guys are not having an amazing time listening to this conversation, wake up, like, you know, turn, turn the Check volume. Pulse. All right, Layla. So you, you go, you get leapfrogged using uh, <laughs> those words into this career. Now you guys are, are starting to grow gyms. Yeah. How? And I don't know exactly the timeline there. So how long after you you go uh, to work with Alex? Yeah, yeah. In the gyms, did he make this transition to fire sale and everything going completely different direction? Um. At first, so the first thing that happened was we started dating, and immediately he's like, "I'm gone for three weeks. I'm launching gyms," and I was like. Oh, okay. And he's like, can you go pick up all the cash at my gyms while I'm gone? And I was like, okay, sketchy. You trust me that much? Like I picked up all the cash at gyms and brought it to the bank. I was like, the bank guy's like, do you own this account? I was like, nah, the guy I'm dating from like a week ago does. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I asked him, I was like, why would you do this? And he was like, I'm a good judge of character. And I was like, I mean, you are, I would never steal a dollar, but still, 
That's right. I feel like I had complete. I mean, I met her. I was like, she would definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's a total trust trust test yeah. right there. I love it. All right, go ahead. Yeah. And so after that, um, we he came back, and you know, I didn't really. I, I felt like there would be a lot of risk if I were to like just jump ship and join after a couple of weeks of knowing him. And so he came back, and he had like a backpack, and he smelled really bad because he hadn't showered in like a week. And I was like, well, this looks glamorous. And he said, before I can take you on a date. Cause he hadn't taken me on a real date yet. He said, I need you to help me process these contracts from the gym. And I was like, okay. So we sit down in his apartment, we're processing these contracts and we get to the end and it was like $120,000. And he'd made that in like three and a half days. And I was just like, shit. I don't know if I can <laughs> on the podcast, but I was like, dang, okay. Um, and at that point, you know, I had been like, well, I want to do what I love, but I was like, but I also need to know how to make money. And I knew how to sell, but I didn't know that level. And I'd been in the gym industry enough, long enough to be like, this is very interesting. Nobody is doing this right now. <laughs> like he has the secret sauce. And so I quit everything. <laughs> we flew out. Uh, Alex was supposed to train me at the gyms, but he ended up getting a phone call. So he just let me start on my own. Um, and we basically for the next 11 months, launch gyms. So either we would both be at one together or like he would be at one in Washington. I would be at one in Hawaii, you know, and we would alternate and just try and do them at the same time. And we were like tweaking the model to see how we could do this. After that, we ended up uh, hiring six sales guys and scaling it so that they flew out to the gyms. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, in between is when he fire sold everything. And one of the partners then took all the money from our bank account, left with it. Um, and then two days after that happened is when we had just hired everyone. And so we put it all on a credit card. We didn't have any money. I think we had eleven, thirteen hundred dollars. I could tell this story in. I know, and I was like, I don't know if we have enough time, but every dollar of this story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so the period of time I was gone for for two and a half months, came back. That was what made her just. I, I tried to hard sell her for like you know this whole time, but until she saw the stacks of contracts, that was the thing that <laughs> all of a sudden she had a lot more conviction in me. She was um, <laughs> and so we um so anyways we, we started launching the gyms and uh fire sold everything to to go all in on this new venture because one of the gyms that i had launched the guy was like dude you should just launch the gym and i'll come right behind you and you can just own all of them rather than just launching them and walking away and i was like cool um turned out he didn't have that skill set at all and i launched his gym and then i was i launched the second gym and he was supposed to come behind me he's like well i'm still busy the first gym you run that one and i was like well um that's not the what you know what i mean yeah my name was on the lease. I put fronted all the money for the equipment. Just, you know, young entrepreneur mistakes. There was yeah. no agreement. Just all the classic things that everyone does in the beginning. For anyone who's listening, A, probably don't have a partner. B, if you do, make sure there's an agreement. Um, but uh, from there, because I said, okay, well, I'm just not going to run this gym. So I shut that gym down like six months after opening it because I was like, I'm not running this gym. Like gym launch is working. Like I'm going to do this. Um, so what ended up happening is then we got, all these refunds and chargebacks from that facility that we closed down because people were like, Hey, I thought you were going to, you know, do this thing. And I was like, I thought so too, but whatever, et cetera. And so we had shut everything down, just been just scolded so many times on the phone, just felt horrible about ourselves. I got oh, a DUI, a head on collision DUI. My mother went to the hospital um, and she was on like life support and mm -hmm. this all and, and all the money was taken and I fire sold my gyms and this was a 90 day period. And wow. so, we were living on the cat, we were living in the bedroom of one of the clients of the gyms that we shut down's house in a twin bed. 
because I didn't have enough money. So I was like, hey, man, you have a spare room? And he's like, yeah, I have a spare room. So he just let me stay in his, like this random guy who met me like a week earlier that I sold a membership. Let me stay in his room. And like four months. And from, yeah, we stayed there for four months, like a little, I was like, yeah, it was, it was like a week that just ended up just, yeah, just like one more week. <laughs> and, then, um, and then we, uh, we started, oh yeah. And so then that's when we hired all the guys. Right. And right as all of her friends quit their jobs, we're the, it was Christmas Eve. Um, I get a call and we had done this one launch cause I lost all the money. And so we did this one massive launch after that to basically get money back. And so we did like 120 grand in sales in a month at this new gym. And that was supposed to basically replenish all the money I'd lost during this last thing. And uh, the money just wasn't hitting the account. And I was like, what the hell's going on? And like, I know it's like, it hits Tuesdays. Like it's like, I know when it hits. And it was like Wednesday and then Thursday. And then they're like, oh, and I called call them like, oh, it's a, it's a standard yearly review that we do of an account. And I was like, I've been with you guys for five years. Never done a yearly review. And so then the next Tuesday comes and the Tuesday was Christmas Eve. Um, and I was like, guys, what the hell, where's the money? And all of a sudden they were like, yeah, we're going to hold on to this for six months. There's some irregular activity, a lot of, a lot of refund stuff. You were using a brick and mortar business for an online business. That's not the use case you were approved for. So we're just going to hold on to this. And so I had spent all the money that I had to do this launch that like the last money they had. And so this, I'd hired one sales guy to do that. So I could build out all the portals and stuff for what we were now going to have six guys starting. And I had $23,000 in my bank account and I owed the guy 22. And so I paid him 22,000. I had a thousand left. And at that point is when I went to Layla and it's Christmas Eve. I'm at her parents' house meeting them for the first time in the best, in the best mindset you can imagine. And that is on Christmas Eve when they tell me that I'm no, I can't, I'm not even allowed to process money anymore. And so the next day, and I looked at her and I'm holding up my Amex card because I still had it for my gyms. I was like, this could go horribly wrong. I just want you to understand this. I was like, I'm going to be spending $3,300 a day of money that I do not have. And it in very likely will not work. And so um, we turned the ads on 3,300 a day. I had $1,000 total at this time. And we sent these guys out there who had never sold before for our product. <laughs> you can see where this is going. And, and, and mind you, they're out there and they're closing deals, but I can't process money. So huh. even though I'm spending $3,000 a day, I don't even have a way to even collect money. And so on day 21, I get a processor that gives me $50,000 limit. We still had, we had 180,000 in sales. So I could process $50,000. So I do that in like two hours. And then I'm like, well, what would I do with the rest of it? They're like, well, the first of next month, you can do another $50,000. And so I did 50 and 50. And by that point, I got enough, like two other processors. And I was always behind. And anyways, it was just a, so needless to say, it was a really easy process for us. You know, success came easy. Aimless. Yeah. Money kind of no. just fell out of the sky for us. And, uh, and it's totally, out. I mean, at some point, this is a Nicolas Cage movie. Like I'm trying to figure out. <laughs> Like where we lost people. They'd be like, okay, entrepreneurship, no thanks. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I just wish you guys would be honest about the struggles you've had. Figure coding at a whole new level. Well, this this conversation could literally go on forever, but I do want to, I do want to wrap this up because it, uh, we, we have, we, we have the attention uh, for a limited time. So let's, and I'm gonna let you kind of finish if it's okay. Layla. Like, let's talk about where, where all that went from having um, money stolen from you, mother on life support, DUI, guys, you guys stayed at some, some random dude's house for four months, Christmas Eve, can't process payments, 
you got the credit card out. You're, you're literally saying, okay, we can't collect money, but we're going to spend it. <laughs> All of these things had led you to where you are today. Talk a little bit about where you guys have come from, like where you are today as compared to them. Yeah. Well, essentially, you know, out of, out of your, the most pain that you have is always what's born like the, your greatest strength. Right. And so we changed the model of how we did that business very quickly. Um, we had a few alterations. We thought we were just going to go into a completely different industry, but we ended up um, really realizing that what we were doing was a huge need in the market. We just weren't doing it the right way. And so we basically changed gym launch from a, you know, we fly out to we teach you how. And that was when it really took off. And it took off in a way like most companies never will in the lifetime. And it was from that point on, you know, it was life changing prior in a traumatic way. Um, after that, it was not as traumatic. It was more exciting. Um, and it was us just always attempting to grow as the business was. And, you know, Jim Launch took off. And from there, we we opened up a uh, Prestige Labs, which is a supplements and food business. And so it, you know, the gyms resell it through their facilities as well as like some other brick and mortar or online uh, businesses. And then um, after that, we opened up a software company that works leads for local businesses. And so we used it as a platform to build upon just other things that we saw as needs in the marketplace. And so, you know, where it sits today is we have people that are, you know, in charge of running most of the day-to-day -day of those businesses. And we are now, I think, in more of a transitional period of being less involved in the businesses. Like, you know, I think that as you go on in business, you always are less and less involved because, you know, otherwise you're capping everybody else on the team, right? Like they can't mm -hmm. grow if they're not growing and eventually you get pushed out. Otherwise they don't have a place to go. Um, and so I think that's where we sit right now is just looking at, um, really strategically thinking how we want to build the empire. Um, you know, we have businesses that we've built. Now we have businesses that we're acquiring and we're taking percentages of, and we're just applying the same model that we used in those businesses that we built, um, in the others, which is, you know, Alex and I always were able, we're able to work really well together on like the, the two sides of the business, which is. You know, he's a genius with marketing, sales, acquisition, and strategy. So just the business model in general and how to bring people in and monetize it, um, which is where a ton of people lack. And then I come in and build the operations and the infrastructure. And so we, we know our pattern and we have the model for how we do that. And we just want to use it to help as many people as possible now. Like we know we're good at doing that and we can help people achieve financial freedom. And so we understand that that's what we want to do. And we want to dedicate a significant portion of our lives to doing that for people. Mm. So if you would talk about the percentage of your time, how, it, how you kind of devote your time now to either your, any of your businesses lifestyle, and then also new ventures. And if there's anything else substantial in there you wanted to add. Yeah. I, I think Alex and I spend our time differently in terms of week to week. Um, we have definitely very different things that we work on, but I think for myself, it's been a really transitional period. So I don't think it's always easy. People think, oh, they must know what they're doing and understand exactly what they should be doing at any point in time. I definitely go through seasons where I'm like, what the F am I supposed to be doing right now? Um, and I recently went through one where it was, um, you know, I almost, you know, basically put myself out of a lot of my responsibilities because I had a really fantastic person on the team and she's just really risen to the occasion and become just a rock star. And that has allowed me to then focus on uh, a mentor said to me um, something like, if there's anything that anyone else can do, then you should not be doing it. And so I thought to myself, well, what else are things that other people could do, but I just haven't taken it out of my head. And so 
my project has been getting all of the um, things out of my head that can help those that run the companies that we're involved with so that they can then do what I've done um, and that, you know, hopefully people can also do what Alex has done. Alex, anything you add to that as far as how your time is spent as well? Yeah, I would say that, you know, right now, two of the companies require less than an hour a week, uh, which is the software and the, and the supplement business. The licensing business, though, probably takes about five hours a week. Um, but the remainder of the time that we have is spent on acquisition.com, which is our, which is the domain that we purchased that's housing, um, basically, that's becoming the portfolio company that, um, that, that houses everything. And so we've got four or five other companies underneath of there that we, you know, work with directly. And that's kind of our our 30 year plan of uh, it's just continue to rinse and repeat the frameworks that, that were proven successful across a variety of industries and business models, B2B, B2C, B2B2C, um, you know, e-commerce service, software, brick and mortar. So we've really, we've, we've, we've used the same processes that are universal uh, kind of like first principles of business. And so um, I'm, my goal is to document those frameworks and give them away for free. Well, thank you so much for sharing a journey that um, is very entertaining, but also inspiring because I think, yeah, there's so many of us who have had some of those similar fears and, and we, we may be stuck in those right now, but as you said, the, the easiest way to accomplish that is to take action. And that first step, I mean, you know, trying to get my kids to jump off the high dive or whatever. It's like, look, first step, gravity takes over from there. And really in entrepreneurship, the first step leads to failing, failing fast and learning from those mistakes. And to, to believe that you're going to have success right out of the gates, probably not a, a realistic expectation, but the lessons that you learn will help. And I think just you guys shared that so well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule. Um, I totally encourage you as you're listening to this to go check them out. They have uh, amazing uh, material out there. They actually wrote a book, Jim Launch, uh, The Secrets, right? The Secrets to um, the Step-by-Step -step Guide to Building a Massively Profitable um, Gym. I, I thought that was pretty cool uh, to, to see that book out there and some of the things you're doing. If somebody wanted to connect with you guys, where would be the best place for them to do that? Well, there's the game podcast. So that's, uh, that's my podcast that I talk about the lessons and failures that, you know, we, uh, did growing past a hundred million and the, the men, if you're, if you enjoyed the failures on here, <laughs> there's, there's way more, <laughs> more where that came from. And so, uh, I just try and make it a podcast, the failures of so just like, here's where I learned this lesson and, you know, try and put a, you know, tell a story around it. Awesome. And uh, you guys also are welcome to join our community. We'd love to have you in there where people can connect further and just kind of keep tabs on what you guys are doing and uh, and reaching out to you from that, that standpoint. Well, thank you as always for listening to this episode. I hope you'll take time to share it with somebody that you know that'd be encouraged by hearing this story and always uh, rate and review because um, we'd love to, others to be able to find this podcast because of your responses on there. Thank you so much, Alex and Layla, for being on the show. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.